Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Coffee Break Podcast. These are short podcasts for you to listen to at a coffee break. Developed to give you some quick ideas on how to help you build your desk and business. Now, over to Adrian Mansfield, the Million Pound Biller for today's Coffee Break Podcast. Welcome to the Million Pound Biller Podcast. I'm Adrian Mansfield, and in my 20 plus years in recruitment, I've had a number of million pound years. I've worked in most of the major recruitment markets and in all sales roles within a recruitment agency. I've also run my own company and set up companies both in the UK and in several international locations. Recruitment has given me the opportunity to travel the world and see some of the best and worst places on offer, from Australia to Afghanistan and many more in between. The Million Pound Biller podcast offers those at any level in recruitment tips and ideas from me and my contacts, both inside and outside recruitment, but all from the coalface. Information and ideas that can be taken back to your day-to-day careers and put you on the path to a million pound year. The cornerstone of my success over the years has been my willingness to learn and develop my skills, something I still do every day. Now I'm offering you some of my ideas and thoughts that will allow you to squeeze the most out of your recruitment career, no matter what level you're at and where you're aiming for. Every journey, even one to a million pounds, starts with a single step. So let's take that first step together. Hey there, and welcome to episode 15 of the Coffee Break Million Pound Biller podcast. I hope that those of you applied to had a good Easter holiday last weekend. I managed to take a few days completely off work last week, and that isn't always as simple for me with a number of my operations that continue over the holidays in the UK, and the fact that I'm able to be reached all the time by email and phone. However, I did manage to switch off completely for a couple of days, and that is one of the topics for this week's Coffee Break. Topic number one, taking a break. This may sound silly to many people outside recruitment, but one of the biggest issues I've had throughout my recruitment career is the willingness and ability to take a full break from my work. This is made even harder in the modern era, where your phone can carry your business with you wherever you go, but equally has much of your wider life on it, so you can't just leave it at home. However, I feel that taking a break, and by that I mean an extended period away from work, not just the odd day here and there, is a real benefit. Not just to your well-being, which it undoubtedly is, but also to your business and its growth. Getting away from the day-to-day for an extended period and out of the mundane can, I've found, allow you to start thinking about wider things and gives you the freedom to open up new ideas and thoughts as to how you can take your business forward. I readily admit that taking a full break from work is becoming harder in the modern world. Many years ago, when smartphones had only just started to be part of work, I would routinely switch my phone when I went on leave. I kept an old, normal, non-smartphone on hand for these occasions, mainly so that I avoided the emails. And then I would make my team aware that I would be off emails for the holiday period. They would continue to have my mobile number and could call or text me if there was a real issue that needed sorting, but it meant that I didn't have to keep looking at my emails. Now, that wasn't a foolproof method, and it still meant that I got the odd client call, and of course the odd note from my team even when I was on leave, but at least it removed the temptation for me to look at those dreaded emails. The issue now, of course, is that non-smartphones are very much the exception. All phones we use these days can receive emails, and the task of switching to a non-smartphone we a much more difficult job, if not impossible, for most people. So I'm stuck with the fact that my life, business and personal is on my phone, and I will therefore have my phone with me almost everywhere I go. So I set aside 30 minutes a day to review and cleanse emails. It's not ideal, but it does mean that I'm not constantly looking over them all day. I'm sure there are other ways to deal with this, and I would welcome any suggestions you as listeners may have to deal with the fact your phone is always with you. All that being said, however you achieve it, the idea of taking a full break from work is still crucial. Recruitment can become all-encompassing if you let it, and trying to be on call 24-7 will inevitably lead to your feeling run down and unable to give the best to your job. 
The goal has to be to force yourself to take a full break from work regularly. This doesn't, doesn't have to be two weeks sat on a beach. I personally couldn't do that. I'd get bored after about one day of just lying around. My breaks typically follow a similar pattern, and I'd find the process helped me to get the best out of my breaks. This is my process for any period of leave. Firstly, I work hard in the week leading up to any period of leave to ensure that my open actions are done and or pushed until I can return or otherwise delegated to somebody that can deal with them. That way I'm leaving with a cleared to-do list and no legacy issues hanging over me whilst I'm on leave. Then when I'm on leave, I split my time into three sections, which I find sets me up best for the leave and also gives me the benefits I want when I get back to work. First section in the first period of my leave, I try to fully switch off. I refuse to answer emails, calls, and truly unplug from the world of work. The length of this period will be defined by how long I'm taking off, but I would normally look to take at least a third of the whole time off in this state. My goal in this period is to clear my head, to get away from the day-to-day and engage other areas of my brain so that my head isn't still back in the office. Then I move on to the second period, which is where I get the most benefit from the break. Here I've disengaged from the day-to-day, I've removed myself from the noise that work was bringing, and I can start to look at things from a clearer perspective. Here I tend to let my mind wander on things that I've maybe picked up over the previous months, or even that I've been suggested to look at, things that may help me and my business. I try to run a critical eye over each idea and to see if they would benefit me going forward. It should be noted this stuff is mostly in my head. I'm doing this stuff whilst on a golf course, sitting on a beach, or watching my daughter bodyboard. The point being, I don't need to be on a PC, phone, or laptop to be doing this. I'm just engaging my brain on the ideas and weighing them up. This is often the majority of my leave. I tend to try and stay in this review process for as long as I can. This is where I make some real changes and get some of my best ideas. So the longer I can give it, the better. Finally comes the end of the holiday. And usually over the last day or so, I will start to get back into work mode. But even this has a structure to it. The first part is still on the plans. I will take up the ideas I've come up with during my second section and then start to put some real action plans to them. Even if that's as simple as emailing somebody on my first day back, I will start to take real action on the ideas as soon as possible. That way I don't lose the benefits gained. Only when I've done that will I then start to look to get back into the day-to-day. I will spend the evening of the last night going over my old emails and calls and get a feel for what stuff is key for me to get sorted when I get back to work. Off the back of this, I usually have a pretty full action plan for the first week back. With catching up and with new ideas, I've got lots of stuff to be done. Two final things I do at the end of any period of leave are also crucial. The first is to set a plan for the next period of leave, so that I've got a defined period to deliver on some of the goals I've set from this leave period. The final one is to celebrate and enjoy the time I had. Sit down and really look at the fun you've had whilst you've been on your break. Look at the things you did, the way you were building up those good vibes and taking them into the first day back at work. I'm sure many of us have experienced those post-holiday blues. I've heard that some people avoid leave just to avoid those blues. Since I've started the above process, I've not been as cursed with the post-holiday blues. I can see what my next holiday is, I've used this break well, and most importantly, I've got lots of great memories in front and centre of my mind to go back to whenever I need to. So maybe you'll try some of these over the next few months and let me know how you get on. As we start to open up, I'm sure we'll be taking more holidays, so maybe you'll get them to put into action on a beach holiday somewhere. Moving on to topic two, I've also started to see some green shoots in the recruitment in a number of areas that have been harder hit over the last year. We're still a long way back from normal in more ways than one, but at least the future seems a little bit brighter now. And this brings me on to the topic two for this week, which is starting to look at how you start again or start a new desk if you're getting back into recruitment or indeed have been asked to pivot into a new area. Simply, how do you go about it? I speak to a number of people in recruitment each week 
Some are well on with their careers, some are just starting out, and increasingly some are coming back to work after extended periods off due to downturn or furlough or things like that. So if you're one of those people either just starting out again, or perhaps coming back, or you've been asked to look at a new area for you, or even a new area for your agency completely, how do you go about starting? Well, over my career, I've started a large number of new desks. I've lost count of the number of times I've been asked to crack on in a new area. I seem to have been given the mantle as a new desk builder, and I've embraced it. Even now, as I've moved into new areas, I'm still working with a number of people to use my experience and get them started. So what advice would I give to somebody starting out? Well, here are my top tips. Number one, work out who you want to work with. This may sound obvious, but you have to define the clients that you want to work with, the sector or area they're in, and the size of company. You may even want to define something like their credit position, i.e. are they financially viable, especially if you're looking to sell contract or interim solutions. This also links to the who in the client are your target customers. Will you be selling to HR, to the CFO, to project managers? Many people in recruitment say they want to speak to the line manager. But that's not a role on someone's CV. So how do you define what or who the line manager is? What role does that person hold inside your target client? One big key to this is to be as niche as possible. Trying to go too wide at this stage will just give you too much ground to cover. The key is to get some movement, and the easiest way to do that is via the smallest possible focus. Try to be really tight with your target. You can always land and expand from there, but the key is to get starting with a conversation. Once you define the client and the person inside your client, you need to start to work on the product to sell them, which means getting candidates. Once you've reviewed the clients and seen who you want to work with, then it's simply a case of trying to find the types of people they would want to hire. This again takes some research, but by looking at the people in your target companies, and perhaps even role that they've had active on their website, you can start to gauge who they hire and what they often need. The key then is working to find those people. And the secret with this is to try and focus on the most obscure areas, those hard to fill zones. The fact is you're trying to build a reputation quickly, and being able to fill a tough role will give you more reputation than the low-hanging fruit. That's not to say you can't come back to those low-hanging fruit later. So you know your client, you know the tough areas, and then it's just a case of finding those one or two candidates that fit the bill. Ideally, given you're working in a very small niche, those candidates will fit the bill for a number of potential companies. It should be noted that this all sounds very simple to say, but the reality of this part is the process is that the candidates won't be on the open market. They will be hidden. And indeed, the more hidden, the better. I had much more success with this process when I've been going after the most difficult skills possible. Sure, the work to find them was hard, but that rules out 99% of other recruiters. Benefit when you do this right is that you've got what one of my old bosses used to call a walking invoice. Somebody will be 100% certain to place within the key clients you've been talking about. Then comes the final part, presenting the candidate. If you've got one or two at this point, it should be a simple case of contacting, ideally by phone, the key targets that you've got in stage one and explaining that you're aware that they look for X or Y skills and that those skills are hard to find on the market, but that you've got some of those candidates who you are working with and who you wish to discuss with the client. The response from these calls won't always be positive, but in my experience, it breaks down into three responses. Thanks, but we're not hiring at the moment or some other similar way of getting you off the phone. That's fine. Make a note and call them back in a few months. Doesn't mean to say it's a no forever, but just means it's a no for that moment in time. Two, that would be great, but we're not looking for that now because we've just hired somebody or we've just changed our business model or we're moving around. But we could be looking for a great. That means you've got an opportunity to potentially pitch somebody else into that client at some point if you can find them. 
And finally, wow, yeah, great. We need somebody just like that. When can I see the CVs? Bingo. Then you get to discuss the terms and you get to discuss those terms with you in the driving seat. Now, this is my method for starting up. And I would know that even with all that work, I get far more of the first response than I ever do of responses two and three. However, I only need a few of the two and three type conversations to start me off. They are the sparks in which I can build my larger bonfire. Once I've broken into a client, then I focus on landing and expanding. I work to grow the contacts. I work to grow the relationship. The goal with the above process is to get my foot through the door with a client or a sector. I don't suggest that this will be a long-term solution you want to follow, but when to looking to break into somewhere, it gives you a great place in which to start. And almost as importantly, it sets you up as a consultant, one who knows the market and who's different to most others out there in recruitment. As I say, this is my method, but I welcome any ideas from listeners as to how you'd build a desk from the ground up. As ever, you can contact me. I am at Million Pound Biller on social media. And if you want any of our how-to guides that just starting a new business or following on from this week, the Starting a Desk from Scratch guide, then head over to adrian-mansfield.com where you can register and we'll send out the guide. In the meantime, until next week, enjoy the journey.